Today on Talk of Iowa, we're going to talk to Robert Wagner. He's author of Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Other Self. And we'll talk about visitation dreams and lucid dreams. And, of course, what are they all about? We'd also like to hear from you today. What are you dreaming about? Lucid Dreams today on Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. This is Talk of Iowa. I'm John Pimple. Well, we all dream. Most of the time, we forget about it. But sometimes we remember. Some of the dreams are vivid. And the topics range, well, you know, anything. When you dream about the recently deceased, this is known as a visitation dream. And it's something that is very poignant. It's an intense and emotional experience for the dreamer. It's also possible to lucid dream, and that's a process where you take control of the dream. If you can combine a lucid dream with a visitation dream, very powerful experience. Today on Talk of Iowa, we're going to talk about dreams, lucid dreams in general, but we'll also talk for a little bit about the visitation dreams. Our guest today is Robert Wagner, and he wrote Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self. He's been a regular guest here on Talk of Iowa to talk about dreams. Welcome to the show today, Robert. Uh, thanks very much. You know, visitation dreams are something that creep up, at least on me, at the uh, least expected opportunity. And sometimes it doesn't particularly seem to be a reason for remembering, say, my grandfather who died 10 years ago or somebody that I didn't know as well last week. Is there a particular reason why these visitation dreams occur or is it like any other dream that it just kind of happens? Well, there's different viewpoints on that. Some theorists would say that every dream has a meaning and a purpose and a reason to happen when it happens. Uh, other people would claim that uh, dreams happen randomly and uh, have little to do with your current situation. But the one thing that anthropologists from around the world have discovered is that almost every culture and even cultures in other times reported visitation dreams or dreams of the deceased, but they're relatively rare, so they don't happen that often, but uh, they definitely do happen. There's often the sense from any powerful dream, after we wake up, after we remember, that it's real, and sometimes it takes a while to shake off that experience. What does that do to a person when they just are convinced that that actually happened? Is it normal for that to that sensation to stay for some time after being awake? Well, oftentimes, especially when it comes to uh, visitation dreams or dreams of the deceased, they're so powerful and emotionally meaningful and vivid that you do have that sense when you wake up that, that it was real and it, it takes a while uh, for you to realize that you had just dreamt it. Also, uh, from a neurological perspective, when a person wakes up from the dream state, Oftentimes, um, for the next three or four minutes, neurologically speaking, uh, their their brain pattern is in a pattern of kind of waking and dreaming. And so also, also that's when oftentimes people report uh, seeing something in the doorway or something like that, uh, because we still, neurologically speaking, are somewhat in a semi-dream state. You know, everyone has a different sense of spirituality or religious beliefs, and often dreams are tied into that belief system for an individual. But when we're talking about the recently deceased in these dreams, I have to think that this may enforce 
a particular person's spiritual and religious beliefs. Right. You know, um, the dreams obviously have meaning and relevance for you in your current situation and your current belief system. But we have to realize that the ancient Greeks, uh, they might dream of Apollo or Jupiter or someone uh, helping them uh, hop onto a boat to go across the river Styx. Or an ancient Egyptian might dream of meeting the crocodile god who's going to uh, help him find the underworld. And we, we just have to realize, though, that because these visitation dreams are universal, uh, that they'll speak to us in the language of our own uh, belief system and, and our own uh, spiritual viewpoint. And, and we have to accept that and also accept that other people— uh, Buddhists, agnostics, Muslims are going to have their own uh, dream symbolism and their own viewpoints uh, regarding this phenomenon. Now, there's another state of dreaming that we've been talking about quite often when you're a guest here, and that is the lucid dream. In short, the definition of lucid dream is to is, what? Is a lucid dream is one in which we become consciously aware that we are dreaming while still in the dream state. And so an example of that uh, in this particular case might be something like uh, uh, I'm having a dream and I see my deceased father. And suddenly I think, well, wait a second, uh, dad's been dead for 12 years now. And then it occurs to me, this must be a dream. And so at that moment, I'm consciously aware that I'm in the dream state and I can direct the dream. I can decide what I want to do and I can proceed like that. And so lucid dreaming is a phenomenon that was uh, scientifically proven uh, and talked about in 1980 uh, when researchers in a sleep lab uh, f finally created the scientific proof uh, to show that this phenomenon was occurring because people have been talking about it for thousands of years, but it's only been since 1980 that we've had the proof. This is something that might feel to some people like a very comfortable situation once we are having a visitation dream, perhaps about a deceased parent or a good friend. We realize that we are in control of the dream and we engage in a dialogue. That sounds like that might be therapeutically a good thing. Well, you know, it's interesting uh, when a lucid dreamer um, has a dream has a lucid dream in which they uh, encounter the deceased, uh, normally a relative, um, oftentimes they relate to it according to their own belief system. Um, I had a friend who was a good lucid dreamer, had lucid dreams all the time, and her deceased parents kept appearing in her dream and she would become lucid. But she she would tell them because she was lucid, she would say, oh, uh, you don't exist. And and they would argue with her. They'd say, no, we do exist. And And they kept coming in dream after dream after lucid dream, and they'd have this same uh, argument until finally uh, she relented and, and gave them a type of existence. So, so even though you're a lucid dreamer, you still have to work within your own belief system. And, uh, and the nice thing, though, in a lucid dream is that you can consciously explore uh, that dream figure of the deceased. And by consciously explore, I mean you can ask questions, you can ask that deceased dream figure to uh, do things or tell you things and uh, see if it has any validity or, or significance. So sometimes, like a lot of other dreams and something we talked about a few moments ago, that sensation of it being real is very strong. And 
I've got to think that some people believe that this dialogue that we have in a lucid dream with, let's say in this example, our dead parent, is real. And perhaps we could say the things we never said in those experiences. You know, that that's something that lucid dreamers are looking at and uh, researchers who research lucid dreams are looking at as well. I remember that the uh, person who coined the term lucid dreaming uh, was uh, uh, Frederick Van Eden, who was a psychologist and and something of a mystic in in the Netherlands a uh, hundred years ago, but not only did he coin the term lucid dreaming, he also coined the term psychotherapist. So so, so he's actually uh, well known for coining terms. But but Frederick Van Eden a hundred years ago had an interesting lucid dream. He became consciously aware when he saw his deceased brother-in-law, and his deceased brother-in-law told him that he had a financial misfortune in his future. And um, at the time, uh, Frederick Van Eden woke up and and couldn't think what that misfortune might be. But uh, later that year, he inherited some money. He invested it in railroad bonds. And then there was a financial crisis and the railroad bonds collapsed. And he he lost 100,000 guilders or or some huge sum of money at the time. And and so he, he wondered, had had that been his deceased brother-in-law giving him a warning, or was that just his inner unconscious self giving him a warning, or was that just a random event? So, so, so you're right. This is something that people have been thinking about for a long, long time. You're listening to Robert Wagner, and he wrote the book, Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self. We'd like to have you talk to us today about your dreams. Are they visitation ones? Can you lucidly dream? We'll go through it. Here is our number. It's 866-780-9100. You can also send us an email, talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. That number again is 866-780-9100. Robert Wagner and I will be discussing this topic throughout the hour, and you would help make this conversation just that much better. So we were talking about, say, that scenario where we had advice in the dream. Of course, it really doesn't happen. We talk about the sensation where we're convinced that it does happen for some period of time. This is the next part. Days later, weeks later, is it possible or maybe just for advanced dreamers to continue that sequence of events, to continue that conversation with that person in a lucid dream and a visitation dream? Well, that's a good point. Um, some lucid dreamers who become consciously aware in the dream state uh, quite often ha- have actually uh, done that, where they have called forth the dream figure that they're used to dealing with, and they once again appear in the dream, and, and they can continue the conversation. But normally, uh, visitation dreams of the deceased, um, they happen more infrequently. Uh, they're most likely to happen after a person has passed away, after a relative has passed away. And then in that next month, you're quite likely to dream about them. But also, uh, sometimes when they seem to randomly occur, if you'll think about it, it might be uh, their their birthday. Uh, even though you can't remember grandpa's birthday, he might have some subconscious or you might have an unconscious reason to recall him and have him appear uh, on his birthday. And and so sometimes, uh, even though it seems random, uh, when you dig into it a little bit deeper, you realize that there's a reason behind that uh, particular dream. Our guest today on Talk of Iowa is Robert Wagner, and he is author of Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self. We are talking about visitation dreams, lucid dreams, and so much more. 
And we'd certainly like to hear about your dreams as well. Our phone lines are open here at Talk of Iowa. The number is 866-780-9100. We're also checking our email account, talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. And Twitter. Tweets are certainly welcome. Hit us up with an at reply. IPR Talk. I'm John Pimble, and this is Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. You're listening to Talk of Iowa on Iowa Public Radio. Support comes from the Eastern Iowa Airport, offering valet parking, a cell phone waiting lot, and Wi-Fi throughout the terminal. Information on airfares at crairport.org. Just minutes away, the Eastern Iowa Airport. More cities, more flights, more options. And support f- comes from Iowa Summer Rep, presenting a festival of plays by TV crime writer and playwright Teresa Rebeck, performances of the scene Maurices and the Family of Man will run in the UI Theater Building June 22nd through July 25th. Ticket information at 1-800-HANSHER. This is Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. I'm John Pimple. Today we are talking about dreams. Lucid dreams and visitation dreams. And we're going to get to your dreams in just a moment. Our guest today is Robert Wagner. You know, we're going into this topic talking about things that seem very academic, but really experiencing these dreams and these uh, in these states is, is something that is, is very hard to describe. I think we all have that moment of trying to put the words to it, and it just gradually fades, and it becomes more difficult. Why do we forget so quickly, Robert? Well, actually, um, there's two chemical systems operating in the brain. Uh, during our waking hours, we have one chemical system. And uh, during the sleep state, we have another chemical system. And when we switch systems, um, what occurred during the sleep hours, the dream hours, um, oftentimes, if we don't think about it immediately, it'll rapidly fade from our consciousness. And so that's why um, a lot of people uh, keep a dream journal by their bedside and when they wake up in the middle of the night, they'll make some jot down some notes really quick to just get the uh, essence of that dream so they can recall it better in the morning. Well, from Cedar Rapids, uh, Jalan is on the line and would like to relate her experience about a visitation dream. Jalan, you're on. Hello. Hi. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm just... what, are you, what are you dreaming about? What was I dreaming about um, one evening? Or Well, this was one night during the night. I had a dream um, about two people sitting in a kitchen area, and um, I'm, I wasn't sure who they were, and they were talking, and the man was bringing something to the table, and suddenly he looked over at me, and he said, Julianne, what are you doing here? 
and uh, I didn't know these people, and um, it, the dream was not frightening or anything, but I remember it so vividly, and uh, these people were very young. Um, my parents are both deceased, and I was going through a, a box of um, old photographs, and I saw a picture of my father when he was probably in his 20s, and that was the man in the dream that I had. Oh. It was very, very comforting. Both of my parents are deceased. Right. You know, I think uh, Julianne has brought up an important uh, aspect of dreams of the, the deceased, mm-hmm. is that oftentimes they appear much younger than they were when they passed away. Um, I know that in my own case, uh, sometimes I'll dream of my deceased grandmother, who, mm-hmm. I, who I didn't know very well. <clears throat> and the way I know it's her is because she was uh, part Scottish. Is Every time I dream of her, she has little elves or pixies uh, <laughs> flying around her shoulder. And so that's always a, a good cue that that's, uh, oh, that's grandmother. And, How interesting. Uh, and all. But, but that's, that's very fascinating, Julianne, that... Uh, you would have a dream of that. And they'd also ask you that very poignant question, uh, what are you doing here? And then yes. you'd later see photos and, and realize that those were your parents at a young age. Yeah. Julianne, do you, do you feel comforted when you see your parents like that in a dream? Or I, I'm, I miss my parents. My mother passed away when she was 54. Um, she had severe rheumatoid arthritis. And my father passed away about 20 years later of a heart disease. And um, I was never very close to my parents because they were very, very busy people. Um, I grew up on a farm in Minnesota, and um, life was very hard for them. Um, And I was the oldest of five children, so I knew my responsibility, (laughs) apparently, and they didn't have to tell me. Otherwise, there were consequences to, to pay so um, I I worked very hard and um, oftentimes resented the responsibility that was put on my shoulders. But I find I found that dream to be very comforting. Um, that I could see them when they were young and raising their family. Does so, it give you a sense of closure and moving on and having that dialogue that maybe you feel that you didn't have in real life? Yes, it did. It really, um, I feel very much um, um, at ease now with my parents, and I don't really hold any grudges uh, toward them. I just wish we had spent more quality time together, more time laughing and playing and, and things that children do. How long has it been since your father passed away? Oh, about 11 years. So some time has passed, and these dreams are are just starting to come to you. They are, and um, I had a similar dream about my grandmother, um, who who was a German grandmother, and she played cards. Um, I walked into a room, and she was sitting there playing cards <laughs> with my aunt, uh, who was her oldest daughter, and um, they asked me to come and sit down. Well, I didn't really have time to, but I didn't have time to visit either. But they seemed to be enjoying each other's company, so I just left them. And uh, I wish I had stayed with them, though. 
you know, it's so you really are having this experience. Well, thank you very much, Julianne, for sharing today. Oh, you're welcome. Iowa. Robert, this is exactly what I thought I might be hearing a little bit, uh, but I didn't expect so quickly. This person is hearing about, in their dreams, uh, th- this dialogue with multiple family members, grandparents, parents. And it, it seems like once this ball starts, that it continues to move on. Right. And um, also, I think uh, that Julianne's uh, dreams of her parents and also her grandmother and aunt playing cards picks up one of the common themes that uh, the psychologist uh, Patricia Garfield noted in her book, um, The Dream Messenger, how healing, how dreams of the departed bring healing gifts. And what, what she found out is that many people, one of the most common themes was dreams in which the deceased are okay that we find that they're doing fine, that they're enjoying themselves, that they're young. And um, oftentimes that's very comforting for us, particularly as we face our own mortality as we, as we age. We have another person that wants to share a visitation dream, Rosemary from Marengo. You're on the air. Uh, hello. My hi. name is... Hi, my name is Rosemary. And uh, about... Uh, Thirty years ago, I uh, well, when I was a, a teenager, I was or just right out of high school, I had a, worked for a, a law firm, and my boss was um, very dear to me, very uh, much a mentor kind of figure. And about uh, ten years later, I had gone on, gone on to college, moved out of the area. Uh, uh, I found out that he had uh, cancer, and I went to visit him. And uh, he, his uh, physically, he he looked um, so changed and so um, compromised. He had a, a malformations on his on his head because of the tumors and things like that. Anyway, my last image of him was just very sad and frightening. Then uh, when he died, I tr- got to the funeral or tried to get to the funeral, but because of all kinds of uh, um, the, the a bridge was out and things like that, I, I didn't get to the service uh, until after the casket was closed. And there was just this tremendous sense of loss that I didn't get to see him one more time. So, But then that evening, I had this most wonderful dream. Uh, he came back to the office. Those of us who had worked there, uh, we, we were all present. He was uh, definitely dead, but he, uh, he looked like his own self again, and he just went and he said goodbye to each one of us. And I woke up that uh, morning just with such a, a sense of relief and peace and gift. And it's uh, never had that sense of uh, pain anymore about what he had gone through or that I didn't get to see him. And it was just a wonderful gift. Oh, that, Rosemary, thank you for sharing. That's a beautiful dream, Rosemary. And uh, it also brings up the second most common symbol of uh, dreams of the deceased, which is is them coming to tell us goodbye. And sometimes it's just that simple, just a message of goodbye. And like I said, getting to see him and and that he was looking okay again. That was such a gift. Right. Well, thank you for sharing that story today, Rosemary. We appreciate that. You're welcome. Our guest today is Robert Wagner, and we're talking about lucid dreams and visitation dreams. Have you experienced this? Have those who have died talked to you in your dreams, and have you had closure? We're taking your calls when we come back from our break. The number is 866 780 9100. 
We're also checking our email account, too. Talk of Iowa at iowapublicradio.org. I'm John Pimble, and this is Talk of Iowa. This is Talk of Iowa on Iowa Public Radio. I'm John Pimble. Today we are talking about dreams, two kinds specifically. Visitation dreams, this is the kind of dream where you have someone who recently died come into your dreams. We're also talking about lucid dreaming. This is where you can control the dream. Our guest is Robert Wagner, and he is the author of Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self. He's been on this program many times. Robert, you hear a lot of stories from Iowans as they share what are really intimate moments of their dreams. Why do people want to talk about this? Why, what makes them so comfortable to share? You know, I think oftentimes uh, dreams bring up unstated emotional issues or unstated uh, problems or ideas that we need to work through. And so oftentimes uh, having a chance to talk about dreams is is really quite uh, freeing for many people because um, other than a psychologist, uh, in this culture, we normally don't talk about dreams that much. And so um, frequently when people talk about visitation dreams, uh, you'll often hear just what our callers have said, how how much better they felt after the dream experience and how it gave them a measure of comfort and a measure of peace. Well, sometimes dreams have somewhat of an unsettling quality and Tina is saying that she had a visitation dream that was not peaceful. Tina, you're on the air on Talk of Iowa. And Tina's not available here. There you go. Go ahead, Tina. Can you hear, can you hear we me? We sure can. We sure can. Welcome to Talk of Iowa. What about your dream? It wasn't a very peaceful dream, you're saying? No. My my father died, and shortly thereafter, uh, the dream came to me in my dream to only to tell me that um, that he was killed and that it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a heart attack or a stroke and never had uh, another dream about him since. And I'm just curious as to what that means. Well, um, I'm not going to uh, get into anything where I try to uh, analyze or symbolic- symbolically decode the dream, but, but there is uh, people, um, there are people who have this type of dream where the dream figure, the deceased dream figure appears and asks them or gives them information. Um, so it may be that this represents uh, our own concerns uh, made manifest, our, our own questions about what happened there. And so it's, it's oftentimes uh, difficult to know exactly what that means. But uh, uh, if you had it recurring, that it kept happening, uh, that'd be one thing. But to have it happen one time... Um, it, it's just one of those curious dreams that's really hard to understand. Gina, what are you taking away from that experience, that dream, that unsettling dream? Um, it, it, it raised a lot of questions, actually, that I didn't have um, prior to the dream, and it makes me really concerned that there were things happening in his life I just didn't know about. And did it make you ask questions to people that are still around? So maybe you could find out if those moments in the dream did have a validity? I didn't because it, it had to do with stepmom, which is his wife, who I have a very good relationship with. And, you know, I, I looked at it and said, it's just a dream. So 
Um, it, but it was very unsettling, and I, I just find it interesting that most other got peace and relief, and I was left with <laughs> questions and concerns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tina, thanks for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's true. Not all dreams uh, are going to be at least immediately a good experience or a positive one. They can be somewhat jarring. And sometimes that's what we need to go through emotionally to get to another place. Ask unsettling questions, yeah? Right. The the circumstances of of every passing vary. And our relationship with the person who passes, it varies. Um, Not everyone has... Uh, positive uh, relationships with their parents or has difficulties. And so, so each, each situation is unique. And in this particular case, um, it's, it's a little bit hard to know. Um, there have been cases, though, where dream, uh, deceased dream figures have appeared and have given information uh, about something that the sleeping person didn't realize. N- normally, these are gift kind of dreams where uh, they tell them where something is hidden and the person wakes up, they go check it out, and they find that there is a secret drawer in the cabinet, and, and there is, is something that the uh, deceased wanted them to have. So, so occasionally uh, that information proves to be valid, but, but sometimes uh, we have to look at it more symbolically as, um, as an expression of our own discomfort or our own questioning mind. It seems like you're giving some advice to say, hey, don't take this too literally, at least not yet. It is just a dream to start with, yeah? Well, dreams are symbolic, metaphoric uh, productions, and sometimes they have uh, literal aspects to them as well. And so we have to approach them carefully and uh, and think about them uh, broadly in, in order to uh, understand the, the deeper message. Robert Wagner, he is author of Lucid Dreaming and Gateway to the Inner Self. And we're focusing largely today on these visitation dreams where you are visited by someone who has died. And we're hearing your stories today here on Talk of Iowa. We have room for you to get involved on the show. The number is 866-780-9100. That's 866-780-9100. Kendall has had some visitation dreams from family members. Kendall, you're on Talk of Iowa. Hi. Uh, yeah, I've got basically three situations or three different uh, dreams that uh, I've I've had in the past. Um, I guess the first one was uh, a friend from childhood. Since the second grade, uh, we'd been good friends, and then when he was a senior in high school, uh, he took his own life. Uh, and I was visited by him in a dream, and I was in a kitchen and went out of the kitchen door onto a porch, the back porch, and there was nothing but blackness underneath that that back porch. And my friend David was busily building a blockade across this stairway that went down into that darkness. And it was quite obvious and evident to me that he did not want me to go the same path that he went. And that's that came to me, you know, I was I was a teenager back in the late seventies. Uh and then in uh eighty four, um my father in law, uh who was uh, uh paraplegic, uh he had polio as a child, uh and had six children and I married one of those daughters of his six children 
and uh, we we bought a house that was just blocks away from you know her her parents because you know Mel needed help and uh, often and we wanted to be close in the event uh, and did quite often you know get up at two in the morning go over and and help but uh, one particular uh, night in April. Uh, the paramedics and ambulance got there before I could, and and we had lost him. And that December, uh, and this is not a you know a Grimm's fairy tale or anything. It was Christmas Eve. Uh, we would go to my folks on Christmas Eve and uh, my wife's parents on Christmas Day. Christmas Eve, I had a dream uh, about Mel, whereby I was walking down uh, an alley that had slush in the middle of it like you know snowy rainy wet slush and there were brick garages on either side of this alley and i had walked down to the end of this alley and i turned left and immediately the ground was dry and i walked uh, the length of of a building and there was uh like a porch with uh you know apartments to the left so i got to that building and i turned left and I went to the door on the left, and there was three steps up to the door, which was actually in the corner of, of this entranceway. And a gentleman in black slacks and a white shirt, um, sleeves cuffed up twice on, on a white shirt, um, nothing but a smile, opened the door and let me in and again pointed me to the left. As I looked forward, there was a galley-type kitchen with men busy preparing food, but the gentleman that opened the door for me took me to, you know, three steps forward to another doorway, pointed me to the left. I went that direction, went to the left again, and there sat my father-in-law uh, in a, a plaid shirt, and it... Uh, it's a very moves, powerful still experience. Moves me, still moves me today. You know, you have so much. You have so much uh, uh, detail of that. In that, how long ago did that happen to you? I, I remember it explicitly. I just, I, w- I woke up from that dream when when I went and sat down at this uh, the table that there was a window that faced that entranceway that I came in. Um, mm-hmm. I was sitting across from him, and he stood up, and I'd helped him in and out of his wheelchair for eight years. You know, going to get care. And this man stood up, was wearing the, uh, uh, a flannel shirt that he often weared. He hugged me, and I could feel the whiskers of his face on my face when we embraced. And he said, tell my family I love them. And it was gone. And in, in a sudden, I, just, I, I can't explain it, I just felt like I'd been thrown back in my body. I slammed back into the bed woke up and and i i couldn't speak for you know five to ten minutes because i was so overfraught with emotion that i couldn't speak my wife wanted to know what the heck was going on because i was sitting up in in hysterics and i was too hysterical to speak because it was so real it was it was so real i could feel his whiskers i could feel his embrace and that's the last time i saw mel in my dreams well, Kendall, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Uh, Robert, That that's a case where the dream has a lot of detail, and that's been some time. A lot of detail seems to be remembered. Why do we remember some things so clearly and others not as much? 
Well, I think、uh, Kindle's、uh, dream there shows how vivid and how impactful these type of visitation dreams can be, especially someone who has had a very close relationship, as it's obvious that he helped his father-in-law、uh, for years and years and years. And and Kindle sees in the dream that his father-in-law is made whole,、uh, having this dream on the night of Christmas Eve and going to the left. Oftentimes, the left is considered the past or Events from the past, or, or sometimes people consider the left death, and the right is the future and and future hopes, and so so we remember these kind of details because these type of dreams are so emotionally powerful. This is something that we haven't talked about a lot today, but lucid dreaming and visitation dreams, it's tricky to control. These two events to start with, we talked about that it's not easy to predict or force it to happen. But once it's there, and we control a visitation dream, we can go into interesting territories. When we are in a sleep state and we are dreaming, there are certain ways that we can prep ourselves to enter a lucid dream state. Is that correct? Certain levels of preparation to go. Okay, now it's time to take over. That's right.、Um, at my book's website,、uh, www.lucidadvice.com, I have a link to some of the techniques. But just to tell the audience,、uh, one way that people become consciously aware in the dream state is they suggest、uh, that they'll become consciously aware in the dream state. So, like before going to sleep, they'll say something to themselves, like, "Tonight in my dreams, when I see something odd, I'll be more critically aware and realize I'm dreaming." And so that night, they'll see a camel walking down the street, and they'll think, "Wait, you know, there's no camels in Des Moines," and they'll become consciously aware. They'll become lucid. Or some people、uh, oftentimes will use a dream sign, like、uh, before they go to sleep, they'll look at their hands and they'll tell themselves, "Tonight in my dreams, I'll see my hands and realize I'm dreaming." And so、uh, later on, they'll have a dream; their hands pop right in front of their face. And they realize they're dreaming. So there's various ways that a person can、uh, induce this or incubate the idea of becoming consciously aware in the dream state. John in Boone is talking about lucid dreaming and meditation. John, you're on Talk of Iowa. Do you meditate, John? Well, back、um, you know some years ago, I was meditating、uh, more or less seriously and、uh, started lucid dreaming and. The particular type of meditation is Zen meditation, and I asked around because、um, you know in some forums and、uh, found out that there's actually a whole series of sort of、uh, curious mental states that that、uh, are a byproduct of of serious meditation. By that I mean you know at least two or three times a day, you know seven days a week for per- for periods of months, and and it was kind of interesting because the Buddhists don't talk about it because they consider it to be Just another、uh, fantasy, you know. And of course, Zen Buddhism is all about, you know, finding reality. So they just sort of they just sort of dismiss it as, yeah, that happens. And when you explain some other,、uh, you know, how curious a, a state of mind, you know, lucid dreaming is, you know, the the serious Buddhists are just like, well, yeah, that's fine, carry on. <laughs> so <laughs> well, it's it's interesting to find somebody that's actually studying it. And I didn't know if you if your guest was aware of that.、Uh, right. 
Um, you know, John, I'm going to differ with you a little bit here that uh, even though the Zen Buddhist tradition uh, might kind of dis- dismiss uh, lucid dreaming or dreams as, as mental fantasies and something to be ignore, ignored or avoided, there are other Buddhist traditions um, like the Tibetan Bon tradition uh, that has a whole practice they call dream yoga. And dream yoga, the primary practice, is becoming consciously aware in the dream state and uh, realizing that you dream. So, so there's, there's various uh, denominations, various uh, threads of Buddhism, and, and some of them uh, dream yoga. It, as Naropa said, who was a 6th century uh, Indian Buddhist yogi, that, that dream yoga is one of the six paths to enlightenment. So, so there's various ways of thinking about this, though. But, but it's interesting that uh, just because of your uh, deep meditation experiences, uh, you spontaneously began to have uh, lucid dreams, and, and I find I find that very interesting. That's that's uh, great news. Yeah, I, like I said, I ran into other people uh, who had the same experience, and they are absolutely amazing uh, experiences. There, um, but there's something that faded as soon as I stopped meditating seriously. Um, but but the type of meditation that that I was interested in is Soto Zen, which is pretty brutally uh, realistic. It doesn't you know it doesn't have any uh, right. interest in anything other than you know reality, so to you, speak. You know, uh, one interesting thing about this is that in in the practice of dream yoga, uh, what the goal is is that when you die, according to the Buddhists, you enter the bardo state or another bardo state, a uh, uh, in between state. And at that moment, if you're a lucid dreamer with enough practice and, a, and enough uh, awareness to realize what's happening, uh, then you can decide whether you want to be reborn or whether you want to go uh, in terms of merging with the light. And, and that sort of, that's kind of the basic thesis that they have. And, and so actually uh, the dream yoga practice in a curious way is kind of a practice for the after-death state. Uh, according to the Tibetan Bond uh, Buddhist tradition. But, but John, thanks very much for the call. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. You're listening to Robert Wagner. He is the author of Lucid Dreaming and Gateway to the Inner Self, Lucid Dreams and Visitation Dreams. You talked about stepping into the light and sometimes how our own dreams deal with our own deaths or endings or large visions. Debbie had a dream about a heart attack, and I want her to share her story a little bit. Did you have a dream, or did you actually have a heart attack, Debbie? I had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, they they said it was just a mild heart attack. It wasn't, you know, anything. It was just um, the left ventricle was just plugging. And um, I turned around, and, and they were going to put in a stint the next day. And um, I... Uh, I had a dream about my girlfriend who had passed away like three months before and my other girlfriend who had passed away a year before that. And it was like a, it was almost like a, a picture that you see is clouded in the background and, and they're just kind of there, you know. And um, I told Marge, I said, I want to come. And she said, um, no, we're not ready for you yet. And I said, but I want to come with you. You know, I miss you, and I want to come with you and stuff. And she said, uh, she said no. And they all smiled at me, and my grandmother was there, and and uh, said, no, it's not your time yet. And uh, that was basically the end of the dream. And the next morning, when the doctor came in, 
Um, I told him that I had a dream, and he says, oh, you did? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, what was it? And I said, I told him, and he says, and how did it end? And I said, they all told me I couldn't come, and I just felt a sigh of relief and felt great. So it sounds like you're definitely equating that to a dream. Some may say that literally happened. Did you ever have the sense that it was real, or did you just immediately say, oh, no, that was a dream? Or are you uh, ambivalent about that? I felt that it was very real. I felt it was very real at the time. But after um, after the fact, the memory of it started to fade fairly quickly. Um, I mean... The general of it, I will always keep, but everything and everybody that I saw in there, um, it's not as vivid today, but this was almost 10 years ago. Well, so, Debbie, thanks for sharing so, that dream experience, and, and uh, I know those are very powerful, and we appreciate that. Well, thank you for listening to me. It was uh, It was probably the most... Um, the most definite experience I've ever had. Uh, it was really, um, yeah. So yeah. thank you. You have a great day. You have a great radio show. So, thank you very much. Thank you very much. You have a great day, too. You take care. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Robert, we've heard so many different stories today, and they all have a similar tie that they're based in a dream state, and everyone has a different takeaway from it. What's yours when you hear all these very sincere and powerful stories? Well, what we often see is that uh, the themes uh, that researchers have shown to be common um, are very much, in fact, uh, common. The sense that um, getting the messages that I'm okay or I'm here to say goodbye or I love you. Th- those are the most common uh, dreams of the deceased. But we also have uh, rarer dreams in which we uh, get information. Uh, sometimes it's information we want to have, and sometimes it's not. But in, in dreams, uh, because of lucid dreaming, we can begin to scientifically study this. And I'm hoping that in the future, uh, they'll allow uh, lucid dreamers to look into this more deeply and, and investigate it from a scientific perspective. Robert Wagner, thank you so much for joining us today on Talk of Hype. We appreciate your time. Thanks, John. Robert Wagner's author of Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self, lucidadvice.com. We've been talking about visitation dreams, lucid dreams, and more today here on Talk of Iowa. I'm John Pemble, and I'm so glad that you could join us today and that we could share your stories. The exchange is produced by Catherine Perkins. We had some technical support today from Michael Yeager. Julie Englander was on board as well. So was Lindsay Moon. Podcasting and on-demand audio of The Exchange and Talk of Iowa are available at iowapublicradio.org. And we'd like to hear from you through email sometime, too. Talk of Iowa at iowapublicradio.org. I'm John Pimble. This is Iowa Public Radio. State drug control officials are warning Iowans about a new family.